Welcome to the Talk and Smash podcast with Yola. I am your host, Matt Hetherington. I'm joined today by Ryan Willard. Yeah, that's the face that we're looking for. <laughs> he is a uh, MC and host extraordinaire, one of my favorite people to commentate with, and has been involved in table tennis for a long time now, um, all the way from you know recreational table tennis in the beginning through to the highest levels as a incredibly entertaining person and a uh, somebody who can really grab a crowd and get them excited about the sport. So great to have you with us, Ryan. Uh, we're going to be talking about new coming to table tennis, um, what, what people can expect when they're seeing the sport at the professional level for the first time. And I'm glad to have you as my first guest on the podcast. Thank you very much, Matt. It is an absolute honor to be your first guest. I hope to make all of the mistakes that you will learn from in the future, as I do in all parts of my life. I mean, I'm probably going to make a fair number of mistakes on my side as well. So things will balance out. It happens. But bottom line is, I'm honestly, I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, You know, I'm a big fan of yourself. I'm a big fan of Yola. And obviously, I'm a huge fan of table tennis. So getting to talk about it on a podcast is exactly where I want to be. So thank you for having me. Um, so obviously you're, uh, you know, most, a lot of table tennis players, especially outside the U S might not know who you are. Um, so you've obviously done a lot of commentary here in the U S and, and a lot of event hosting, um, for Yola, for USATT, for, um, ITTF as well. Um, but how, how did you first, first become involved in table tennis? Well, the first time I ever played was at my friend's house, Craig Kirkman in Portland, Oregon, when I was like six years old. But then I didn't really play a lot uh, all through growing up. I only played a couple times when I was a kid. Uh, So when I was living here in New York City, uh, I got an invitation one night from a friend who was like, hey, do you want to go to Susan Sarandon's ping pong club? And I was like, what? Susan Sarandon has a ping pong club? There's (laughs) there's There's a clubs with ping pong in it? And they're like, yeah, come by. And uh, I went and just went to spin New York for the very first time when it just opened. And it was insane. It for me was so exciting to see this game that I'd played as a kid, but hadn't played in so long, but loved playing as a kid. Um, and so I started playing there and uh, I, I was a, I became a member of spin, enjoyed it very much. And then I became friends with Susan and Jonathan and Frank um, and the, the owners of spin. And they came to a live show that I did for my theater company that I was emceeing and not long after, they asked me to host uh, the Dirty Dozen, which is their Friday night underground tournament at the club. And so if you, you are not familiar with this, uh, the Dirty Dozen was essentially up to 12 players who would compete in a single elimination tournament uh, at like nine o'clock at night in this basement club, low ceilings, yeah. low light, <laughs> DJ blasting music, drunk patrons everywhere no barriers one star balls like this was as down and dirty as table tennis got um and i loved it i fell in love with it because it was like there was so much so much emotion so much drama and such a, a fast-paced sport and so when i would host i was just seriously a fan just watching from the front row and commentating and talking about it but i was able to be kind of the bridge between the audience who was watching it for the first time. And so I would feel their energy and the oohs and ahs and mm-hmm. the jaws dropping to the floor from these people seeing professional players playing up close and personal when they'd never had seen anything like that live. 
Um, so for me, spin was like my defining moment and of entering the table tennis world and how I really fell in love with it. And obviously not having a table tennis background, uh, I, I was very open to learning and I was really fortunate that, uh, Wally green, uh, who was my co-host, um, at first he hated me cause he thought I was taking his job. Uh, but then Wally and I, uh, connected one time on a trip when we were opening spin Toronto. Um, and I, I basically said like, look, Wally, I don't know anything about table tennis. You're the pro you're the expert, but I know about hosting. Like that's where I'm a professional. I was on Nickelodeon. I do this stuff all the time. This is like my job job. And I was like, so if you teach me table tennis stuff, I'll teach you hosting stuff. And he was like, okay, okay. Uh, it okay. seems like a pretty good trade. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great trade. And so then, then spin was just like Nirvana for me. Like every Friday night I would show up, I would just get to hang out with Wally, talk about table tennis, watch these amazing players. There was dance contests, celebrities, crowd games, all sorts of things um, that were just wildly different than I'd ever and probably will ever experience table tennis again. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually played the Dirty Dozen one time. And uh, so for me, I mean, I, I played table tennis for a, a long time already before I came to the US and it was still a crazy, crazy new experience for me because you have professional table tennis players in like the most social environment ever. Um, it was just a completely wild time, but I think that spins a great hub for um, kind of connecting those two worlds. Cause they really are separate worlds that the world of recreational table tennis and the world of professional table tennis are so far apart from each other. Um, it's wild. And, and you've kind of gravitated from one to the other. Um, so what was your experience like when you actually went from spin and became introduced to what people on the table tennis side would consider real table tennis? So I, through spin, had done a ton of other table tennis events outside of spin. So I felt very, very confident in uh, my understanding of table tennis and what the sport was. Uh, but it wasn't until I did a charity event for Big Brothers Big Sisters of New York City uh, that I met Tom Nugent and he saw what I was doing. And Tom, being from Yola, was like, I do this tournament. You should you should come. I think we could use you. And I was like, all right, sure. Uh, and he invited me to the North American Teams Championships. Uh, so I was wildly excited and also actually a little nervous because like, I knew I was stepping into a level that I hadn't experienced yet but it felt very natural to me and I was invited. So I was, I was really excited to go. And when I walked in to that arena for the first time and saw the hundred, what 115 tables sprawled right. out, I was just in awe. Like it quickly made me realize that I knew nothing about table tennis, that there was this whole entire world and scene that I was walking into for the first time now. And so when I did that first event, I was really trying to bring the energy that I had at spin, but also being very respectful of the sport because I was the newcomer. Um, and it was wild because <laughs> to, the, to the traditionalists of the, exactly <laughs> of the game. And, and those traditionalists, to be honest, after that first championship, after the finals, I had like 10 different people come up to me and all say something wildly similar, which was you are not welcome here. You are not supposed to get people excited. There can't be clapping. No, no, no one wants you here. And I was like, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they, they do want me here because they, 
they invited me here. The people that organized the tournament, like, no, you're ruining the sport. You're ruining it. And, you know, I was definitely a little taken aback. Um, but then I had three times as many people come up to me afterwards and say, thank you for coming. I loved what you did. We need that energy in here. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like a library sometimes in these tournaments that like, mm-hmm. we love that you were getting the crowd excited. You were getting people to cheer for different people. Um, and so I luckily got asked back. Um, and after that of doing the North American teams championships for a while, uh, ended up uh, getting to meet a guy named Gordon Kay, who was the CEO of USA Table Tennis at the time. Um, and he saw what I did at a charity event as well and had heard about me and basically invited me to host the national championships. And so that's how I started with USATT and uh, really diving into the sport. And then, of course, you ended up with me. <laughs> that was the game change, that's, bro. That's, that's, that's where things really started going downhill. <laughs> I, would say, I would say the opposite. Uh, because for me, when I was with USATT in the beginning, there was, it was understaffed, right. In terms of like the aspirations they had, the things they were doing, it Mm -hmm. it was just really, it was tough. And, uh, when you came along, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember telling you like, no, you're my boss. And you're like, I'm not your boss. And I was like, you you still tell me that, um, sometimes. Yeah, Absolutely. Cause I was like, look, I see what you're doing. I am not doing your job, but I'm here to support whatever it is that you're doing. And so like, I know I have my separate lane of live emceeing, but like I, I need someone who's overseeing me who can help me be better. And I, and anything you need, I want to help you be better. So tell me what you want to do because I love this sport so much. I just want to make these events as insanely cool as they possibly can be. This is actually the reason why I started a podcast. Because you know that's your area of expertise, so now we're balancing out the uh, balancing out the equation. You're going to help me make this a great podcast. <laughs> Happy to. I'll take the executive producer credit all day. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you'll be in the rolling credits at the end. <laughs> um, so, funny enough, funnily enough, you actually you played in a real tournament as well. So you know, this is something that not many people know, and this is a, this is one of the stories that I just. It doesn't matter how many times I hear it. It will never get old for me. But but you've actually played in a table tennis tournament. Um, and everybody who... A lot of people who come into the game of, this, of table tennis, they, they kind of think that they're a pro at the game already. Um, and they get humbled very quickly. So it would be great if you could tell the people watching this podcast what happened when you played in that uh, that table tennis tournament. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know what you're talking about, Matt. Thank you for setting me up for failure on your podcast instantly by telling this story. Um, so I'd been to the North American Teams Championships for a number of years, and I I just had the bug. I wanted to play, and it's so bad. And uh, a friend of mine whose son was a player, his name was David Rockwell. David said, yo, we should play next year. And I was like, yeah, let's play next year. Uh, and he called me up the next year and said, all right, so we're going to play, right? And I was like, yeah, we're going to play. And so I went to like the FIT tournament to get my my rating to qualify yeah. and just to be able to play in, in the team's championships. And I did. David and I were on a team together and they just assigned us a random person to be our third teammate. And so we meet this team. Uh, our team was Team Will Rock. And uh, basically, I was used to being at table one 
That's where I hang out. That's where I know the most people. That's where I do commentary. That's where I MC. Yeah. My first match was on table 116. So I'm walking to the literal opposite side of the arena with my two teammates. And I'm like, yeah, guys, if anyone makes a kid cry, the other two teammates have to buy them a beer. And they're like, yeah, that's a great call. And we're laughing about that. And, you know, I'm in like my glasses and a hat and I didn't think anyone knew anything about me. So I was just, just one of their, I just wanted to be there to play. And I get to my table and the dad, who is the coach of like these five kids, sees me and goes, excuse me, excuse me. Are you a... Uh- Ladies and gentlemen, and I was like, uh, <laughs> y- y- yeah, that, that, that's that's me. He was like, you're Ryan, you're Ryan. I was like, yeah, 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 I'm Ryan. He's like, can we take a picture with you? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, of, co- of course. Let's take let's take pictures. And I take pictures with the whole group. He made me take pictures with each of the kids, and you know, I'm like talking to them. I'm all like, yeah, I'm I'm being you know friendly me. And then I step onto the court, and the first kid I play smoked him in the first game. I felt so good. I like destroyed this kid. I was like, mm, my teammates like, yeah. And then the kid just bursts out into tears after the first game, just bawling. And I'm like, suddenly Great I'm man. eating my own words. I felt so terrible. And my teammates were giving me the like, you get a beer. Sign. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want a beer, man. Like, oh, dude. So I took it easy on the kid in the second game. Right. And he takes the second game and I'm like, okay, that's that. That's fair. He's not crying anymore. And then the third game comes and the kids smoked me. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. And I'm, I tried. I was just trying my absolute hardest. And he just crushed me. Fourth game comes, destroyed me. I think I lost like 11 to three. And the kid is laughing his way off the table. And I was just so frustrated and embarrassed. That whole entire tournament, I was losing to children. Not only just children, the seniors, like no one my age was playing me. They were there in different divisions. There's only seniors and children that I was playing against at the low level rating that I was at. And basically that kid has, I've seen that kid so many other times in tournaments afterwards. And he just looks at me and he like laughs. Like, so I I don't even know who this kid is, but I will find him one day. He knows knows you, yeah. Apparently, I think he's an adult now. So yeah, that was that was my uh, my that was the pride of my table tennis career. And and you haven't really played. I mean, that was career ending as well. <laughs> I, I don't recall you having played any table tennis tournaments since, if I'm not mistaken. Thank you for clarifying that. That uh, was a career ending tournament, I guess you could say. Uh, I I recently played at the 808 Ping Pong Club in Maui in a unsanctioned tournament. Um, Is that more your and, pace? You know, it was, and it was like, it was a super friendly tournament. I was there hosting a ping pong wedding, which was insane. Uh, shout outs to Christine and Felipe. Uh, but basically we did it. We did a tournament there at this awesome club that this guy Noah runs. And uh, I made the mistake of like in the first round, you know, where you're basically, getting your matches to see where, where, what division you're in. I made the mistake of trying my hardest in that part. And I was just like, "Mm, mm," was like crushing it. I felt so good. I was like, yo, this is my, this is my tournament right now. And then I remembered, Oh God, like this is the qualifying round. I I just won all these matches. It's going to put me in the higher division. And like, I should have been in division 
like C or D and I was in division B, right? Like I was like one step below the best players and I got destroyed, like destroyed. I think I won one game in my four matches. I just got spanked by pretty much all (laughs) senior players. They were all in their like fifties and up. It was so frustrating. So yeah, that was a career ending tournament, but I will still show up to get beaten because I love the sport that much. I would actually like to show up like live. So the next time you're intending to play a tournament, because I haven't seen this, I want to witness this in person. So next time you're planning on playing a tournament, just, just hit me up and let me know. You're going to, you're going to commentate behind me. Yeah, I could do that. Or you yeah. could coach me. Maybe you can help me win a tournament, Matt. How about that? Let's take baby steps. Just... What? Just <laughs> Okay. I, can, I have never, I've never even seen you play. Don't worry like about that. You don't, you don't want to see me play in a tournament. That's the I, point. I, no I, one wants to see me play in a tournament. No, I do. I think, I think people do now. They, so they want to know. You, they want to see. Do you think I should, you should, I should enter a tournament? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Tell me not? a tournament. You want me to enter that you'll be there. I'll, I'll, I'll play in it. I'll do MDTDC. It's next door. You <laughs> can come down here. That way I don't have to go anywhere. The odds of me showing up are much better. Cool. Book my flights. Find me a place to stay. I'll be there. I'm in. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's, um, <laughs> that's such a great story. Uh, okay. Let's get back on track. Um, so we're talking about you coming to table tennis. Uh, this is a big problem. And I, I talked a little bit about how there are two different, very, very different circles of people involved in the sport. There's recreational people and there's people who consider themselves real table tennis players. Some people would say that ping pong players and table tennis players, you know, that whole argument we're not even going to get into. Um, but there is a big gap and there's there's a bridge missing. I think you'd agree with me. There's a bridge missing between those, uh, those two groups. Now, you obviously have learned a lot about table tennis over, I don't even know how many years it's been now, probably like... 13? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was less than that's even more than I thought. (laughs) Um, What do you think table tennis has? What are the assets that table tennis has? What are the cool things about real table tennis that are maybe not being missed out on promoting? Maybe they're not being focused on enough. Why do you think people have not felt any desire or had any exposure to real professional table tennis? Uh, I think the reason why most people haven't seen professional table tennis is because there's not a lot of bridges into the live experience. There's not a lot of opportunities to see it live. It's like you can hear a band on the radio, but the way that the A&R people find bands is that they have to see them live. And when they see them live, they can tell if they really respond to it. And I think every person I've ever shown table tennis to live falls in love with it and is into it and has a whole different respect for it. So I think Mm. it's, it's often hard to find live table tennis matches at high levels to watch, which is why I think spin was really, really cool bridge. Um, I think one of the assets that table tennis has that is underplayed because of what you just said uh, is that it's a sport that everybody knows that everyone has played at some point and that's the sport of ping pong and people don't mm. like that word often. And they're like, ah, it's, that's not, we're not playing ping pong. And it's right. You're not ping pong is a basement sport, but 
the the higher levels of table tennis, it's elite, right? And what people don't want to recognize is that ping pong and table tennis are the exact same thing. It's the exact same thing, but the only difference is that ping pong is what the common people are playing. And so like, I think the biggest asset table tennis has is that everyone loves this game. They just are, they, they don't feel like they have a way into the high level of the sport and there's not necessarily opportunities to watch it live. And you can watch things online and see live streams and YouTube videos. And those are also cool. But yeah. when you see it live and you really get to see how fast that ball moves and how intense the matches are, that is what always changes it, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with that. One of the things that I think like one of the difficulties that I've thought about a lot is that table tennis is too complex. And this is, this is one of, I actually, I made a tweet about this recently. Um, and, and what I said was that the, the biggest kind of curse to table tennis is that it is an unbelievably complex sport, which to an outsider looks very simple. So a lot of people assume that table tennis is this very simple game. You don't move your feet. Okay. Um, you know, you, you can't see the spin on the ball. People don't know how hard it is to control. You know, they just assume it's, oh, you hit the ball back and forth, you play at a table, you don't have to move. So I think that's that's a huge, I think the education part of it, helping people understand what is really going on, what is happening, all the different forces on a ball, the spin, how hard it is to control. I think that's why most people who play competitively, that's kind of the base of people who spectate the sport, people who really understand what is going on helps them appreciate it. Um, and I think that's a, that's another bridge. Um, speaking of bridges. So you, you were at spin for quite a while. You also, you've done a lot of uh, table tennis charity events. Uh, you know, you're doing big brothers, big sisters. Um, you also were doing the MCing for top spin, which was one of my favorite oh, events. The best, one of the, one of the best events in, in basically central Manhattan. Um, do you feel like table tennis clubs, specific table tennis clubs, uh, I mean, have you been to many table tennis clubs? I know New York, they don't really have as many. Um, do you feel like they're too intimidating to people? Do you think they, they lack that kind of uh, welcoming warmth to new people and, and have too much elitism in a lot of table tennis clubs? Because I, I feel, me personally, I feel like that's a big block. Um, and, you know, if you look at a sport like pickleball, which obviously you're just getting into a lot now, it's very open to new people. Um, table tennis, I, I, me generally, I feel it's, it can be quite cold. Like if a new person comes into a club, no high-level player wants to play with someone who's never held a, a racket before. Um, I don't know. Have you been to many table tennis clubs to play? Um, uh, I've been to a small handful of table tennis clubs. Um, I I've benefited from knowing people at said club. So I think I had a different experience. Right. Um, but even then it's hard to find, uh, the kind of welcome that I think someone would need to really want to dig into the sport. Like if a random person went to a gym and just walked into a gym and it was like, all right, don't you want to get buff? 
most people would be intimidated and not really know what to do. No one's necessarily going to help them. They might have to hire a trainer to really get it, but it will take a while before they can really understand what's going on. Um, so yeah. table tennis clubs, I, I do think there's a barrier, right? Cause there's a certain level of intensity. And when people are at a table tennis club, they are there to train. They're there to train. And that is like, or, or to coach. Yeah. You know, yeah. Which is $70 an hour, maybe. And, yeah. and so I think a random person walking in just has no understanding. All they see is ping pong. Like, oh yeah, this is, I've done this. This is it. But there's not necessarily, uh, like you were saying, a bridge into the professional side. It's, it's, you can hire a coach, but that seems like a, a pretty big jump off, right? If like mm -hmm. that, that's a barrier, they're like, all right, if I really want to improve, I got to pay this amount of money. How many times I got to get all this equipment. I got to do all these things. Um, there's not always a person in the club that can connect with each individual who walks in and bring them and welcome them into the sport. And I've, I've right. been very, I've been very fortunate that I've had, uh, different times that people have done that to me. Um, like mm -hmm. when I was at 808 ping pong club in Maui, Noah and all of his like patrons and club members, so welcoming to me. And I'm the person who's the worst player there. Right. Um, but like they just took the time to play with me and he made sure I was playing with different people. That type of vibe right. is like the exact vibe that I hope all table tennis clubs could be like, but that's not usually the case. People just have their heads down. They just want to train and they want to do their thing and then they want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting um, reference point and pickleball. They have some older members of the community who act as ambassadors for promoting the sport and they're known as ping, uh, as pickleball ambassadors. You know, sometimes they get discounts from pickleball companies for being ambassadors and they have that title and their responsibility is basically to welcome people into the game and get, encourage more people to play. I feel like something like that, you know, if you could have these kind of titles or positions um, in table tennis would make a huge difference. Because, you know, sometimes you just need somebody to teach you some basics so you can get going uh, when you walk through the door and, you know, stepping into a, a table tennis club for the first time and saying, I'm going to take a lesson with this person who played two Olympic games before. Maybe <laughs> that's, a, that's diving in the deep end for some people when they just want to get their feet wet. 100%, man. And like, I'm a big fan of personal connection. And someone's a lot more likely if they do connect with another human that can walk them through. That's not judging them. That's just going to show them a good time and help them learn about it. And you can take them so far and then it's up to them to do it themselves. But like those ambassadors, those are the reasons why I've made it as far as I have in table tennis. Like I can clearly remember the people who have gone out of their way to help me learn and help me feel right. comfortable in the sport. And if it wasn't, I, I don't think I would have stayed. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I wouldn't have had a chance, but you were one of those people. Wally Green was another one of those people. Barry was another one that when I walked into that first FIT tournament, he literally just singled me out and said, hey, you don't have a membership, do you? And I was like, uh, no, I don't. And he talked me through everything, talked me through how to select what events I wanted to play and was so mm -hmm. nice and accommodating and made me feel like, oh, okay, I belong here. And I didn't feel like I belonged there. I knew I didn't belong there, but he made me feel like that. And so Barry was that ambassador for me in my first professional tournament, but I don't know if everybody gets that same type of welcome. You know what I mean? Uh, it's right. so I was, I've been very fortunate to have people who have gone out of their way 
to, to help me learn and enjoy table tennis to the extent that I have. Yeah, obviously for me, Barry was a, a really big mentor and I still remember and see when I go back to New Zealand, the people who taught me how to hit a forehand and how to serve. Like I, these, yeah, I, I still remember these people and keep in touch with them. And uh, I, I think we need more people like that in the sport and giving them a title or some kind of recognition um, and having a network of people around the country or around the world that bring people into the sport is something that I think is missing. Can I, can I throw another one out there of the people that ushered me in this guy named Sam Huang uh, at spin? Oh, I know Sam. Yeah. So like Sam was the first person that ever gave me a lesson. And it was because he would hit with me when I would show up and he'd be like, yeah, let's play. And then he offered to give me a lesson. I went to his office. I want to say, uh, he was a postal worker and they had a table at their office. So I went to like an actual post office and he trained me and we played for like an hour and then he just but they had a gave, table in the, yeah, a table had, in the post office. There was. Yeah. That's why. And, okay. and Sam gave me a paddle, just gave it to me. Didn't sell it to me. Gave me a great paddle. And I, you know what I mean? Like, you're just like, no, nah, you, you, you should have this. And this was before <laughs> I even was hosting. So like oh, someone like Sam. Beginning meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Like someone like Sam was like genuinely one of the reasons I, I just kept playing because his generosity of his time he wasn't doing it to try and make a dollar off me. He was doing it just because like he saw that I loved it. And mm-hmm. so like yeah. ambassadors like that, man, they make all the difference. Sam Wong. I love you to this day, man. Um, so going to the opposite end of the scale from first starting out in 2021, you hosted the world table tennis championships in Houston. Um, I mean, from an MC perspective, that's basically the pinnacle in the world of table tennis. And I, I was like, I was so excited for you to, to experience it. Um, because I felt like the, your progression of your career and involvement in table tennis had really built up towards it. Um, how eye-opening was it for you? You'd seen already the best players in the US and you'd seen some players from overseas, but this was like exposure to the absolute best players in the world and dozens upon dozens of them. Um, how, how was how was the overall experience for you and I mean, do you, do you think all people should be exposed to that? Like, is that what people need to see a world championships? The world table tennis championships was hands down the best table tennis experience I've ever had. It was mind blowing to me. Uh, and this is someone who'd been in the sport for so long. It's something that I thought I could do from day one. Where I was like, of course I could host the world championships. And then as I progressed in the sport, I realized that it was an actual ladder to climb. So to get that opportunity to do that for me was truly, like you said, the pinnacle of my table tennis career and the production value alone of what they were executing um, and how it looked and felt the size of the arena and just everything mm-hmm. was just so grand and perfect. It, it was exactly as I hoped and imagined it would be. And then when the players started playing, dear Lord, I thought I knew table tennis. And every time that I thought that I knew table tennis, I would get kicked in the butt and reminded that I knew nothing and that I had to sit there and watch and be a fan. And for me, this was just 
a parade of the best players that I could ever watch. And it was honestly, it was very intense. I think it was like eight days I emceed and they were 12 plus hour days minimum, 12 to 15 sometimes. And so I, it was like an actual marathon for me, uh, for my energy and my voice. But there was this moment where I want to say it was like right before the weekend, before things started really ramping up or like five days in and I was already, I was beat and I, I didn't feel like I had the energy I needed. And there was this moment where I'm sitting there and I'm holding the microphone in my hand and I was watching Ugo Calderano play and seeing his passion and intensity mm-hmm. just struck my soul where suddenly it hit me where I was like, you are at the world table tennis championships right now. You are getting to watch the best players in the world. You are literally sitting closer than anybody else in the world gets to sit in this match and you have a microphone and you can say and do whatever you want as long as you get the crowd excited. And I was just like, oh my God. Oh God. Yes. Yes. And from then on, it was like absolute nirvana. I, the next three days I was just on autopilot because I didn't even think about anything else other than like, how lucky am I to be here? How excited am I to be here? And it just resonated through my body. And it's something that I know that anybody who could come to an event of that scale would leave a table tennis fan. It's, it was impossible not to be in love with the sport, watching that level of people feeling the crowd roaring after every single point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was exactly what I think table tennis should be seen as. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been, I was really fortunate enough to, to go to three. Um, and they are really then just the pinnacle level. Obviously I didn't go to an Olympic games, which is a whole other kettle of fish, but, um, yeah. I mean, if we could have events like that around the U S on a regular basis, um, then maybe that's the bridge. One of the bridges that would, would help things start moving. I would absolutely love that. I would attend. I would attend as a fan, even if they didn't want me to host it, I would show up just to watch. All right. Uh, we're going to do a, a, a nice little segment here, a little feature. Uh, it's called the call out, Ryan. Oh, um, and basically, yeah, <laughs> I think you probably have an idea of what's going down here. Basically you're going to pick uh, anybody. It doesn't have to be a, it doesn't have to be a table tennis player. Uh, it could be someone, you know, it could be someone you've never met. Uh, you need to pick somebody out and challenge them to a table tennis match and stare with your soul and intent down the barrel of your camera and call them out for a challenge. All right. Here's my call out, Matt. The person that I would like to play is that child that I played in my North American teams championships (laughs) who I beat in the first game and then cried like the child that he was, and then went on to beat me again, again, and again, and then won the match 3-1. You know who you are. I don't even know what your name is. I know you were Chinese simply because your dad was yelling at you in Chinese. Once I get you back on that court, even if you're an adult, I'm going to show you who's boss. Now that I say that out loud, I realize you are probably much, 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 much higher rating than you were back then, and I've only gotten worse. But I still want to play you, human, whoever you are. Bring it. Find me online at Rye Will Film on Instagram. We'll set up the match. Matt will sit there and laugh at me. You can come and play. Let's do this. I'm actually now very invested in finding out who this player was. I mean, I, surely we can find the results. Surely. It was Eula Teams. So they, 
I can go and get, I can find the results file. John oh gosh. Instead. Now, um, now, so I'm, I, now I'm eating my words. I don't know if that's a good call. out. I don't know if this, I want to play them. This now I can kill two birds with one stone because I can get this person to come to a tournament and make sure that you play them in the tournament. So I can not only watch you play a tournament, but I can, we could video this. Uh, this is, uh, this is a good clip to put on social and we can find this, um, find this table tennis player and, and make this happen. I'm regretting being on this podcast and, and maybe, right now. Well, you know, that's, that's what happens when you're the first guest there. There's no framework of framework of rules or, uh, you know, um, but it has been an absolute pleasure to have you, um, on the first podcast. There's nobody that I would rather have as my first guest, um, and I think your perspective of the sport is so unique, having been through uh, both of those bubbles of social table tennis and, and bridged all the way through. And um, we've been working together for a long time. And um, I, I, of course, will be back for more podcasts with you to tap into your opinions on uh, table tennis, ping pong, the atmosphere and um, your perspectives as uh, somebody who's at these events and is not necessarily playing um, and now does enjoy all of his time around table one. Um, so, right. Thanks for being on the podcast with me. Thank you for having me. Anytime you want me back, I'll be here, my friend.